Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to the Dynasty Wonderland podcast with me, the Mad Chatter Ryan MK. That's right. Follow me on the Twitters and the Grams at RMK Madness. And by my side, as always, the March Heron, Aaron Stewart. Follow him on the Twitter at Aaron Stew09. What's up, buddy? How we doing tonight? Oh, doing great, man. It was a great weekend. Was rested. You know me. Mondays, a way to kick off the week, especially with our podcast here. And man, it's been flooding here in in Texas. So fortunately, the rain has stopped. Don't have to worry about any problems with our recording here. But this is the way I love to start the week. Let's get to it. Hell yeah. Let's do it. I'm with you. That's how we start my week, too. One of my days off, my new job playing with marijuana. <laughs> I'm actually quite enjoying working in the cannabis industry thus far. Is it still getting used to the routine, but uh, that'll come. That'll come. And uh, yeah, it's, a, and it, it's, it's nice to be able to, you know, get back to work, but it's, it, I'm ready to find the time also to where I can keep doing my normal stuff. Cause I got to tell you, it's been a little stressful. <laughs> I haven't got to do a lot of the things I normally do, but you know, you got to adjust. You always got to go with the change. And it's something I'm used to because I've never been afraid of change. So I just got to keep rolling, get used to this routine, get back to some of the stuff I've been doing. I don't know why I keep ranting about that. Because, because see, I had an issue prior to starting my job, all pertaining to the draft kit. Now everything is good now, but poor Mike Randall gets a hold of me last Sunday. Was it last Sunday? I don't even know if it was last Sunday. Maybe it was the Sunday before. No, that would have been last Sunday. Anyway, so about eight days ago. And what happened was he had asked me if I could do a few player blurbs for the draft kit. And I'm like, sure, I've got time. I'm actually loading up on some creative shit that I want to knock out before I start this new job. Because I knew once I started the new job, it's going to be, again, a few weeks of adjustments, getting used to the routine. And so I knew, you know, my creative content was going to take a little bit of a dip. So I wanted to get some shit out. And I must have overwhelmed myself because my brain must have just been a little bit boggled because I didn't realize a few things. A, that he had meant that fucking day. I bet. And then on top of that, of course he meant that day because the draft kit was coming out a few days later. And that I had totally fucking spaced off. And it was just like my brain was everywhere. And all of a sudden, it's a few days later. And I'm sitting there finishing the blurbs thinking, I'm good. And all of a sudden, I go back to the email and I'm looking through, okay, I got these couple names. Like, wait a minute. Is that sick today? Today as in like three days ago. Uh, d- now I'm freaking out. Now I'm freaking out. So I email Mike Randall in a panic about all of this. And then I get on Twitter and then I see Aaron, my guy, Aaron repost the draft kit hype video. And I'm like, Oh God. Cause not only did I forget, about that I didn't get the player blurbs done. I totally spaced off the draft kit. And now my email to Mike makes me sound like even more of a fucking idiot and rightfully so probably. But so, and you know, here, I like to lean into my state, my mistakes. I like to be honest and transparent. And this is just, yeah, (laughs) another situation of the chatter doing something stupid. So I'm going to lean into it, but I did hear back from Mike. Everything's good. 
uh it's all good but i still i still feel terrible because i'm like yeah i got you bro and it's the shittiest thing is is that i had the time to do them all then i could have done it and i was going to just do them right then i can't remember i had something distract me or something come up but like i would have been able to do it that night aaron and i just didn't <laughs> oh, what a mess right we've had some messes lately we'll get to another one of our me our messes that one was just mine another mess here in a little bit but but yes so i had to bring that up and go on a quick little rant that's kind of where i was going with all of that it's just everything's been so crazy and and i sometimes i gotta i forget that if i overload myself too much stupid shit can happen and it certainly fucking did and and that's 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 what i get but that's okay it, it seems water under the bridge now my man yeah my interactions with with mike randall have, have always been great um seems to be a pretty easygoing guy especially considering just you know the mat the massive project of the draft kit i mean what is it 300 players that yeah. all have blurbs there's 32 teams break uh they're broken down I, i'm hoping to do a lot more next year i i'm always I'm always hesitant when like this is my first time contributing to the kit and it was fun. It was a blast. I mm -hmm. will absolutely return next year and, and do as much as I can. But I was like, man, like I, I took two teams cause I, I knew we could do up to four, but I was like, I don't want to be that guy. That's like the new guy. One of the new guys on the team that goes and takes all this stuff and not know, not know what I, what I can do. And now mm. that I've actually done it, it's like, at least I have a template that I could follow next year. So right. definitely open to do more teams. I'm hoping to get Me some too. player. I, I want some player blurbs. I, I, I got left out. On that one. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what? I, we, we had so many people contribute and mm. honestly, if I could do my part, which I did, and other that allows other people to contribute, that, that's perfectly fine. So, you know me, I'm a team player. I want to do whatever, whatever the Roto Underworld brand needs, I'll do it. Yep, I'm with you. That's why I did. I signed up for a few player blurbs, and then I saw there was a bunch nobody was signing up for. So I was like, I'll take a few of those on, and and then I did two as well. I considered grabbing the Browns. Cause I really like the Browns for this year. And I was like, I did kind of like to write about them too. And, but I just was like, I don't want to overwhelm myself. Like I'm going to calm down my articles while the, with the draft kit coming up so I can concentrate. And cause like you, it was my first time contributing. So I wanted to be it to be the best it could be. And uh, so I just did the two teams as well. And then a handful of player, the 150 to 300 player blurbs. And then that's why I was disappointed. Another reason of being disappointed was the ones Mike needed me to write were the top 150 players. So I could have had my name on some of those top 150 players. And again, I could have done it. I'm just a sometimes I just don't, I didn't. Yeah. So it was definitely fun to contribute to. It turned out great. And uh, yeah, like you, I'm hoping to do some more next year. I'd love to do a video blurb. Like, Absolutely. Oh man, I would make that shit crazy. They probably don't want me <laughs> doing a video, to be honest. But anyway, um, so yeah, draft kit, huge success. It was fun to contribute. Um, Mike doesn't seem to be mad at me, which is good. 
I'd probably be mad at me, <laughs> to be honest. So uh, I'd probably be over it by now, but still, um, so good, good. But real quick, before we get into the football, you've been watching any of the playoff action, NBA, NHL? I know your Spurs got taken out just yeah. right away, but have you paid attention to anything else? I've caught tidbits, but honestly, it's, man, I have been – Lately, I've been in the zone with uh, with my articles. I've, I have one that got published today and one that should be coming up in probably in the next couple of weeks. But mm. I've been keeping tabs. I'm, <laughs> I, I have to say, I was excited to see the Lakers go. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, I, I personally, if I don't have a dog in the race, I mean, I'm going to be rooting for underdog teams. So, right. like, it's... I know Utah is not an underdog team, but Utah this season wasn't supposed to be ranked number one. And I just, I love how that team's designed. It's, mm. it's, you have Donovan Mitchell, who's a unique shooting guard because he's, he's just a playmaker and it's perfect. And seeing a guy like Mike Conley, which uh, I've spent a couple of years in Memphis, like they love Conley in Memphis. They still do. Um, and to see Conley. a guy yeah, and to see a guy that that spent oh, what was it? He spent like a decade, if not a decade, pretty close to a decade in, in Memphis, giving everything to that city and and helping lead that team to some of their the probably their best stretch of of seasons mm-hmm. in the in their short history. I mean, they've still only been around for twenty five years, which the NBA that's that's not that long. Um, to see Conley to be able go to a team like Utah and and also I I follow some of the front office stuff. Utah has quite a bit of ties to San Antonio and, and you can, I can see the, the San Antonio like effect that Mm -hmm. that's like carried over to Utah. Like they, they know they're Utah. They're not going to be able to go and (coughs) sign a LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Excuse me. They have to really focus on player development. Uh, they take Rudy Gobert. They've developed him into just a dominant defensive big man in such a difficult time to be that because most teams go, if you're going to play center, you've got to be, you've got to be able to shoot the ball. And that's, that's not what Gobert can do, but man, they, they're able to utilize them just right. You don't have to create any opportunities for them. You just go, Hey, if you get an offensive rebound, put it back in. And to see a big man like that, like he's he's such a smart player Mm -hmm. um being able to switch on pick and rolls so i just utah i know they're the number one seed that's the team i'm pulling for just i love that construction there of what they got in the starting lineup it's all about spacing and team defense and it's just wow it's perfection there um (laughs) i live in northeast texas so i'm in dallas (laughs) maverick county uh they they are, they're pretty sad. Um, even I was pulling for the Mavericks. Mm. I know that's like. I like uh, Luca. I like Luca. I like Luca a lot, and I hate that I have to watch him go against my Spurs for probably a decade. Right. Um, I am also, admittedly, still salty about the whole Kawhi Leonard uh, shenanigans, for lack right. of a better term, on how he like what he did in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. And so I I would rather LeBron James win a championship than Kawhi Leonard. That's admittedly still salty, but 
Yeah, I was rooting for the Mavericks. I wanted them to send Kawhi Leonard home. Yeah, I, I, I was rooting for him too, man. And uh, it's too bad the Clippers pulled it off. Hopefully the Jazz can win it. And you got the the Nuggets versus the Suns, which that should be an interesting series. They were playing earlier. Uh, the Nuggets were ahead. Let me see real quick. The Suns pulled it off. Ooh, 122 to 105. But see, I like the Suns. They yeah. were so bad for so long. So it's it's always nice. Even when the Lakers were bad for a while, when they did start to be competent again, it's like, this is nice. <laughs> so especially the Suns, that was like a decade, a decade of being horrible. And ironically, it was it was when COVID hit. Like that's like that's when the, the switch flipped for the Suns. They 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 still are the unofficial champions from last year. They never got beat in the bubble. <laughs> right. So, so it was it was nice. Honestly, such a great narrative that in the first round they went against the Lakers, who won last year's championship. And I was pulling for the Suns because I was like, nobody's beat them in the bubble. Like they should be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for that to be a first round matchup there, and the Suns to win, and LeBron James most importantly losing. Ah, yep, <laughs> I enjoyed it. But you, you know, you talk about that that you were talking about the team building, and that's mm-hmm. one of the things I like with the Nuggets is because they do that because nobody's going to come here. I mean, we got Paul Millsap a few years ago, but <laughs> nobody's nobody's coming here, so they have to get guys in the draft. I mean, Jokic was a fucking second round pick, you know. Like, it, I mean, and. And so I'm okay if the Suns take us out this year because we ain't winning the whole fucking thing without Jamal Murray. I mean, him being out with the injury kind of put a damper on that shit. But but uh, they've been really good since they made some of the trades at the offseason. So like or at midseason or before the trade deadline, like Aaron Gordon. So I'll be interested to see how they come out next year with the healthy Jamal Murray. But uh, yeah, they might they might get a little beat up against the Suns this round. <laughs> Because the Suns are playing pretty, pretty fucking tough. And and I'm with you. Good to see LeBron go out. You got some cool shit going on in the East. Um, I mean, kind of. I, I guess I just like the Hawks. I like what I like watching Trey Young. And he yeah. just went and torched the 76ers like, fuck you. Like that, that dude has an attitude. I love everything about him. And because that's another small market team that you're not going to see get a lot of fucking free agents and shit. And <laughs> but they got Trey Young. They well, got Trey Young. And I remember, oh man, I was, I was a massive NBA fan in my teenage years, which that was 15 years ago. Um, And the Hawks were so, so bad. Oh my gosh. They, they were, if they won, like, if they lost less than 50 games of the 82 game season, that was, that was considered a success like that was just a laughing stock of the team mm-hmm. and i know like they they started to i don't track the nba quite like i used to but i know it kind of started with trey young they brought they brought in their gm was with the golden state warriors and so was trying to replicate that model there and trey right. young obviously being kind of their steph curry um who was who's the shooting guard they got I, I don't even know many names anymore, but it's they, they got a shooting guard that could shoot in that same draft. And 
like that was kind of their Clay Thompson. So it was it was nice to see him kind of piece things together. Ironically, that like Trey Young came from the Luka Doncic trade, and mm-hmm. it may, isn't that saying something. Like the Hawks traded down, still got Trey Young, got a future first round pick, and I'm and when that trade trade happened, I said that's that's a stupid trade because you're passing on Luka Doncic. Like I just sometimes you know we we go fantasy football doesn't have to be hard and to listeners yes we will talk about fantasy football Uh, (laughs) basketball doesn't have to be hard when it comes to scouting these guys Luka Doncic was he was 18 19 years old playing in Europe playing against grown-ass men playing 30 something minutes a game and dominating these guys like usually those the the young 17 18 19 year old European players like they have potential, but they're like playing 12 minutes a game. And, and then people right. go, I can't believe he busted. <laughs> He's, he was barely playing. He really was a coin flip, but Doncic was like MVP of a right. man's league at you know eight, 18, 19 years old. Like there was that was a no-brainer. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now the Mavericks need to get them some freaking help there because that's just pathetic. They sure do. <laughs> They sure do. Porzingis ain't it. <laughs> How okay. can a guy be seven foot three and just be so afraid of attacking the basket? The, I don't know. <sighs> Sorry. No, that's all right. I, I don't. I really. That's a very good question. He's like he's very tree ish. It's it's <laughs> odd. Like he, I watched. I watched the. Uh, game one primarily and i'm watching them shoot four or five feet from uh, from behind the three-point line and i'm like what the hell are you doing like sure shoot a three-pointer but why are you that far back right yeah okay (laughs) so i ranted and went on for too long about my draft kit mistake and 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 getting used to my routine so that that's over that's over and we chatted ball some 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 of the association as the kids say playoffs that was good so we'll go ahead and actually move into the football stuff julio is officially a titan and for me i think this is good news for their team as a whole their offense you know there's a lot of stuff on twitter of course you know what to do with AJ Brown, what this means for him. And I'm like, you know, most people are going to be good with this. They're going to hang on to AJ. But if you find somebody that's trying to get rid of him, go get his ass is what I would say. But uh, that's about all I got as far as the Julio transaction. Yeah. I'd say the obvious winner, massive winner in this is Ryan Tannehill. Oh mm-hmm. man. <laughs> like, how are you going to fail now? Like you have AJ Brown and now you got Julio Jones, Julio Jones. Yes. Getting up there in age. Yes. Injuries are kind of piling up, but what was still true, even as recent as last season is when Julio was on the field and playing, he was making elite, like his, his plays, his advanced stats, elite efficiency still play like this is honestly this is the ideal spot we knew he was going to get traded we everyone everyone knew the past couple of weeks but if if you follow contracts and and the the front office like like i've been doing 
I've I've known since back in March, like Julio was going to get traded. I mm-hmm. I knew there was a possibility, and then as the offseason went along, and you started to hear a little bit more and more, it was like, oh yeah, it's going to happen. So right. great for Brian Tannehill, like fantastic, like for him to struggle seven eight years in Miami and now be able like Tennessee saved his career and they just keep on giving him weapons love it um also <laughs> to to the people that were Kyle Pitts fans through and through like you you are being rewarded right I still think the process the process at that time was was flawed but sometimes flawed processes can have good results good processes yeah. can have bad results very true um, but the trade's done. And what you're going to see is this offense, like Calvin Ridley, he's going to be fantastic. I, I saw someone put like Calvin Ridley is going to be the next Juju Smith-Schuster. You, you know what? I, what I'll just say is I, I don't agree with it. I know some people really attack that, that take. That's, that's not me. Like, you know, I, I would love to hear more on that because I feel like some of that was more when Juju was by himself, he really struggled, but Calvin Ridley, like when Julio was out, Calvin Ridley was putting up massive numbers. Mm. And now Kyle Pitts, he's just, he's Calvin Johnson at the tight end position. And holy moly, I, I mean, I'm rooting for the guy to have an amazing rookie tight end season. It would be fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think the, the players that, Really, yes, it affects A.J. Brown slightly, um, mm-hmm. mainly because he's just not going to get the the volume. You know, there's talks, hey, if who could possibly be Devontae Adams in 2021 at the start of the offseason? A.J. Brown was a logical um, logical choice there. Like, no competition for him. He could be a, ta- a target hog. Slightly affects him, but it will help efficiency. And, hey, he's not going to be facing – as much double coverage. Um, and then basically everyone else in Atlanta, primarily Matt Ryan and Mike Davis, like you remove a receiver like that, like Mike Davis, who I'm starting to, I feel like he's going to be a trap this year. He's going to mm. be a massive trap. Like, cause he was already falling apart. The second half of last season, you remove a weapon like Julio Jones and defenses don't have to worry about that weapon. They can focus on primarily Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts, but now they can give attention to Mike Davis. I think if Julio was still there and you had him with the other two aforementioned receivers uh, in Pitts and Ridley, Mike Davis becomes sneaky value because wide open space is there. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I would say with the people who think, oh, you – Okay, obviously we don't think you bump A.J. Brown down that much. I don't even think you need to bump him down a little bit, I I guess is what I was trying to say. Because if you look at in 2020, A.J. Brown had 106 targets, Corey Davis 92. That's a difference of 14. I mean, that's less than a target a game difference, right? So if you look at that in 2021, they don't have Corey Davis. They also don't have Jonu Smith. You could easily see both Julio and AJ, you know what I'm saying? The targets are there and they could, so AJ could still, and you know, with Julio and his injuries and things like that, Julio could still very well end up being 
the top guy on the team when all is said and done by the end of the season. <clears throat> right. So I don't um, know. I, I don't think you need to, that, I, maybe that's my love for AJ Brown speaking, but, <laughs> but yeah, yeah I, I don't feel like you need to bump them down really at all. Yeah. And I'd agree. It, it affects his, his ceiling does obviously get lower. Uh, yes. I could see that. Yeah. The, the number two receiver goes from Josh Reynolds who to uh, Julio Jones and speaking of Josh Reynolds, what I'll say is like anyone that was hyping up Josh Reynolds, like opportunity isn't always everything when it comes to like trying to find a breakout, like Josh right. Reynolds in four years with Rams, he showed very little. Mm-hmm. He showed that at best, he was a number three receiver. And look at where he's at now in, in Tennessee. Tennessee knew. They knew they couldn't go in there with Josh Reynolds as the number right. two receiver. Oh, man, disgusting. And I just – you got to be careful if you're doing some best ball drafts because if you happen to forget you're in a draft and you get auto-drafted, you're going to end up with Josh Reynolds probably 15th, 16th round. And just what a wasted pick. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay. All right. I think overall in the trade, we like it. We like it, what it, it does for, for not just Tannehill and the Titans offense, but really what this does for also for Atlanta, it opens things up for Kyle Pitts, yep. Calvin Ridley. Um, so we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be interesting this year. Julio Jones in a different uniform. <laughs> it's crazy. It's weird. Yes. <laughs> Next, I wanted to bring up the vaccine debate going on in the NFL because, you know, I'm not going to turn this into a huge political thing. I bet my feelings are pretty clear. Uh, I was not a big fan of Cole Beasley getting out there and being all anti-science. Like, if you don't want to take it, you don't want to take it, fine. But, like, they deal with the repercussions. And people say they're going to do their own research. Like, the best research you can get is shit straight from the doctors inside. <laughs> like, that's the best information you can get. I did, so I don't know what to tell people, but that all aside, th- this is something that is infiltrating locker rooms. Okay. Because they, the, the, the protocol this year for the NFL is if a team hits 85% of their players vaccinated, they will allow to loosen their COVID restrictions. This is going to be a big fucking deal for players. Okay. Now there's going to be some players who are going to be pretty steadfast about not getting the vaccine. And um, I can tell you this, I've had the vaccine. Uh, I'm not getting like extra great internet because of 5g or anything. Like I'm good. I'm okay. Like, uh, so like I, you know, Athletes put plenty of shit in their bodies. Like, come on, at some, you know, at some point, a lot of these dudes probably will, but there's going to be some that are going to be pretty steadfast, I think. And you just wonder if this will cause any sort of issues whatsoever. Because what if a team is on the verge of that 85% and they've got a handful of guys like, no, we're not fucking doing it. You know what I mean? Like, is this going to cause problems and and it's just not because i do think a lot of dudes will end up doing it because 
the play, the teams that do hit that threshold, it's going to be so much easier for them. Or if a team does hit a threshold, the guys that aren't vaccinated, they're going to see their team doing like, oh, I get to go home on the bye week and do all this shit. And like, they're going to be like, I have to stay here and do COVID protocol like 2020 and, you know, check in every day. Like that's the situation they're going to be in. And which is shitty in a way, because then it seems forced, but I, I also get that in this circumstance and it's it, so it's going to be weird how this plays out. If you ask me, cause I, it, I do think there could be some situations of a little bit of trouble brewing that, you know, the bills are in the spotlight, but sorry, I keep rambling. <laughs> the bills GM came out and said something about cutting players, you know, it's like, don't say the quiet part out loud. <laughs> like it, so there's so much going on with this. Do you see this turning into anything? Because if it does, I mean, it it could have to go a long way to where it affects fantasy, but I'm just gauging where you're at. What do you see here with this? Because to me, it's, it might not be a huge deal, but I don't think it's nothing either. Um, The, the teams I'd be watching in particular are the teams that have locker rooms that tend to be a little dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. Um, because the truth is anything anything can be divisive it really can very true um, it's i hate ketchup <laughs> what <laughs> <laughs> you tell patrick mahomes that to his states you know but it's especially in recent years and maybe it's because covid has got us all crazy right because mm. we we've had nothing to do besides be locked up in houses and then you get it on social social media. And if you're not careful, then all of a sudden you're just yelling at people over a computer. I, I found like things have been very device. Anything can be divisive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, take one look at our country. I mean, COVID-19 is the perfect example. Right. You know, people for the vaccine, people not for the vaccine. I, you know, and it certainly doesn't help when when you turn on the news in which sometimes you happen to get a clip, right? But like there there seems to be confusion in terms of like we've heard we've heard at the start start of the pandemic, they say wear a mask, and then at one point they're like, no, actually we need the mask. Like, well, only people in hospitals should wear a mask. So then you you have people that hear that first part of that statement you know don't wear a mask and they they go see they're telling us not to wear a mask but they told us to wear a mask so then that leads to the confusion and that's probably why a player like cole beasley then goes look i i'm not going to get the vaccine because they've said don't get the vaccine wait get the vaccine get vaccine get two vaccines i i could see where he is if you hear all these different statements that seem to conflict with one another, it's like, well, what the hell should I do right. to, to, to then go into like the 85% it there. I've noticed there seems to be more like incentives put in place um, by States and it can, it can range from if, if I saw this correctly, there's like a state that offers you beer. If you, um, if That's you get the vaccine. <laughs> so That's you know, fucking it's, great. It it is. 
there could be some well intentions of like trying to get people to encourage people to get the vaccines but then there's going to be a different group of people that go now wait a minute like i should be able to make this decision with like without being like pressured to do anything which i I think that's where people that are like against the vaccine it's i don't even think it's so much being against the vaccine they they just don't like the pressure of this which even the nfl i think is well intended uh, of of course but like when you go you have to hit hit this milestone or else we can't do like any other stuff like, right. of course being a massive company that is being your caught between a rock and a hard place like mm. you have to treat this seriously because we saw the broncos <laughs> go into a game without a quarterback because right. of covid stuff but uh, it the players that will be mostly affected like Cole, Cole Beasley's not going to be affected. Like mm. they're not going to move on from him. He was he was such a vital part of their their team last year. He was their number two receiver, and he, right. he's a chain mover. But you bring up a good point: is like those guys, like in a fifty-three man roster, what maybe ten spots are up for grabs at most, ten realistically. So, if an undrafted rookie is performing pretty well but like he's still like neck and neck he's still on the bubble and Mm -hmm. he's not gonna he's not gonna get the vaccine it can't affect him and is it is it wrong it it seems it seems but like nfl teams are businesses they can do what they want like they have to they have to make like the best business decision for them and if that one player would put them what would that be put them under the 85 percent like vaccinated Mm -hmm. nfl teams probably gonna do the best thing and be like look like he he's just a cog in the wheel of the machine literally if he's like if he's a guy competing for like that last roster spot right right i'm sure we're gonna hear stories um it's it's gonna happen when you have this many players and this many teams the odds are there's going to be some cuts that happen because of it. Is, is it going to be unfortunate? Sure. But like that, every action has consequences. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be an NFL player and the NFL's telling you these things, it's, they're not, they're not blindsiding you. I mean, they, they, right. they basically are saying, look, if you're competing for a roster spot and, and Nominated, like this could be a consequence i don't know the legalities of that i'm sure that's going to be a fun mess and uh, i think even the worst part is there may be some players that uh the story. they might get cut and mm. and like that they're getting cut because they're not getting the vaccine not so much because they they're not um they're not quite good enough for the 53 man roster so we're gonna see something yeah and just another divisive thing (laughs) i agree they 
I agree to an extent that my problem with the whole vaccine thing is that it's been politicized and that's part of the issue. The other part of the issue is that people are just closed minded. There's too much conspiracy. I've talked about this on my other podcast all the time. I used to love conspiracy theories, man. They were fun to talk about and read about. And now you got crazy shit out there. And like when people start talking about 5G in in the fucking vaccines and shit like that, like get out of here. Like if if they're like if people are genuinely concerned about, cause my brother was telling me there are some young females that, uh, um, that have not have kids that would like to have kids that are concerned about something with the side effects or something. So of course I can understand things like that. <clears throat> and I can understand people going, look, if other people are vaccinated and I'm not worried about getting sick, why do I need to get, I understand what you're saying, but a lot of people are just not opening their mind like uh, enough, in my opinion. And because to me, you know me, Aaron, we've done a lot of podcasts and I try Mm -hmm. very hard to see both sides, all sides. And this is one of those things where I'm just like, I don't get it because people will say, well, they first told you to wear masks and then they didn't. And there's logical reasoning behind all of that. The main answer is science. That's how science works. Like they, they, they look at things and as they go, they get more information. This was a brand new virus. And, and like, they didn't know what this shit was about. They're learning about it on the fly. And at first they're like, Hey, that shit doesn't seem too contagious, you know, through the, so let's, we don't have like endless fucking masks. Let's try and save those for the hospitals. Okay. Cause people are getting sick. And then it's like, Oh, never mind. Yeah, this shit's way more contagious than we thought. Everybody mask the fuck up. And, and so it's like, there's your fucking explanation. It's science. Like the more they study it, the more they learn. And you're going to have situations inside. It's just like a great example. The planets, Pluto. Yeah, we called that fucker a planet for a long time. It's not a goddamn planet. There's a ton of other things out there like it. There's, It's not unique enough to be a planet. And you could see why scientists were like, oh, yeah, we can't call that a planet. We got to take that off the fucking list, man. Like, it's just like the shit happens. It's it. <clears throat> and it, to me, the people that are just, j- just like a complete, I don't know. It, it it's, it, you're right. It becomes very divisive because yeah. then people look, will look at what I'm saying and I'm sure they'd have some shit to say that. And I'm not trying to be a dick about it. It's just, I don't understand. I feel like some people are just blatantly ignoring science and I don't get it. Like, if you're going to do that, then quit using your fucking computers and your iPhones. And like, if you're just going to ignore science, like, that's how we, like, so I I think come back to football, it will, I I know, I'm sorry, Aaron, I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, it's a, a, I think you'll, (laughs) you'll see the leadership of coaches in particular to keep, because no locker room's perfect, even in a normal season, even when there's not a pandemic um, or a virus or anything, like, there are things that that go on um, right and and it's you'll see the signs of a good leader in a coach to be able to keep that behind closed doors um it's i'll have i'll have hope i'll have hope that like none of this stuff will become, become an a issue. big issue yeah, yeah. um and it does seem like the NFL locker room, and I don't know this from any personal experience of I've never played football, never put on pads, but there do, they're just there. There does seem to be a brotherhood, right? Like when you are playing the sport of football alongside other guys, like you, you know, might not always see 
eye to eye. But um, like, you know, those are your brothers. You don't always get along with brothers. And, and I think to the the only way it will become a thing is when a team gets frustrated because let's just say there's a playoff team from last year expected to take that next step and contend and oh no three game four game losing streak and it's just it will be a test of the locker room just like with right. any any um issue going on in the world i mean we saw we saw something similar last year when we had black lives matter um movement going on and hmm. drew Brees was is the example i think of when like his his initial stance did not sit well with right. his African-American teammates. And it, we knew about it publicly, but it seemed to be taken care of rather quickly without much, without- That's a good point. Much, yeah. yeah. That's a very so, good point. So you hope that you, you're gonna find, you're gonna find out which team not only has great leaders, leadership and coaches, but also locker rooms have to have veteran leaders as well. Um, so, and the player I, I always think of is Richard Sherman was always like the guy like that, that, it, that gets people talking, gets his fellow, um, players talking in the locker room. So right. veteran, veteran teams, like you're not going to see, you're not going to see an issue like this with the Buccaneers. Like you're just not, not oh, with no. Tom Brady. Yeah. But no, well, I just see, cross. right. And, and I don't, I, I, if I had to bet on it, I'd say probably nothing comes from this, but I do look at the team, like a team like the bills and it's unfortunate they're in the spotlight, but I think it's for a reason because it's some like key name players that seem to be, you, you know, not so on board with it. And, you know, if you get enough of them, those are guys you're not going to cut. And if that's, if it's enough, it's going to keep you from hitting that 85% all year. And right. is that going to become an issue then? Or, you know, or what if then one of those guys, what if a Josh Allen doesn't have the vaccine positive for COVID? Like that could piss mm. some people off, dude. Like, really I, will. It, like, so I, that's the kind of more the shit I worry about. And that it, it in the long term, it's probably more pertinent for just football football it probably means less for fantasy football but i did want to bring in, and i'm sorry for ranting i blame my other podcast i was already in ranty <laughs> mode <laughs> and then crazy week i'm just gonna blame everything else <laughs> but yeah so i but i think that's a good point i think for the most part it's it's going to be handled internally and and it'll get worked out and totally. we shouldn't see much effect if if any from fantasy but uh, yeah. you never know real life football you could you could see uh, some some troubled locker rooms you never know certainly certainly and, and it'll probably be more of the straw that breaks the camel's back it's like we're not hearing any issues right right now because everyone right now is zero and zero if they're o and o right. <laughs> As oh, I mentioned, yeah. like those teams when they start like, like underperforming and it's rough yeah. stretch, like yeah, playoff then, team from last year, like just like you said, yeah, those kinds of scenarios, definitely, and and yeah, it, yeah, I think you hit a lot of the stuff on the head. You probably conveyed it better than myself. <laughs> good job, my good. friend. That was good. Like these are these are things too that people do need to think about going into the season. Like yes, 
in theory, like things should be better because last season we, we had a whole bunch of unknown. We didn't know what to do, especially being right. commish. Like, what are we even going to do? We at least have a better feel for things. And we're hoping it's like now that we've played a season through COVID that the 2021 season, we should be better prepared on this. But right. Yeah. Like it's, there's still some things that had to be discussed and that's a perfect, perfect thing. So well, this is going to affect the locker rooms and fantasy football. Well, and just even on its base level, I think as 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 fantasy analysts, fantasy managers, we need to be aware as teams start to hit that threshold, we we should be able to, we, we should know. You know what I mean? Right. Because I think that's important because I think the teams that aren't within the threshold that don't have the restriction. I mean, really, you probably it, got to know what i mean you, you, i don't know if you can know but it, it, if you knew what players were vaccinated or not because i really think you're still going to have positive tests pop up this year if they're still oh, yeah. doing all that so i mean there's still going to be the chances of that and you got to want those teams that hit that 85 percent threshold you know uh, of being vaccinated you probably feel pretty good about you know the players on those teams you know so i don't, I don't know i don't know it's crazy it's such, such a crazy thing. COVID then came in and just fucking wrecked all sorts of shit. <laughs> Tell me. Oh, shit, man. It's just, it's been wild ever since, yeah, beginning of last year. It's just, hmm. I know. I, I had hair before COVID. Now I don't. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That says it perfectly. Um, I did. I did want to uh, throw a shout out to Greg Olson and his family. I don't know if you saw on Twitter um, with the surgery and I'm not going to lie. I saw the video with the kid. I couldn't watch it. I just, I couldn't bring myself to watch it. I wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, but I, I, well, I watched it for a few seconds on mute <laughs> and kid looks like he's okay. So it's, good to hear that's good stuff and um you know i very good for them and their family so it's good to see that shit very much so (sighs) man because that gets me that gets me the kids stuff and that's why i'm like i mean i can't i can't even really watch this video because that's gonna hit me really hard (laughs) i can't either i can't i i got i have nieces i don't have kids of right. my own but i got nieces so. oh hey that's enough man and you so you know and it's like yeah but hey it looks like they're doing good so good stuff but now that we get that all out the way apologies for that again i don't blame my other podcast i'm all ranty i'm all ranty and but uh we got a kind of a bit of a smorgasbord a plethora if you will, of different fantasy things in the next segment to to close out the pod. And uh, we're going to do some best ball, chat a little Scott Fishbowl strategy. And, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So we're going to take a quick break and come back and do this shit. We had a great time, a mess of a time, we, we should say, doing this best ball draft. So we discuss that next. We are back. Once again, bladder's empty, feeling great, ready to finish this thing off. And 
we begin with best ball. We had a best ball draft tonight. We were going to try and do it live during the pod, but uh, it got going a little quicker than anticipated. <laughs> and we had uh, just, uh, well, I had stuff going on. I was still trying to get ready for the pod and whatnot. So a bit of a crazy night and crazy start to the pod in general. But we went through the draft. We got through it. Let's talk about it a little bit. Aaron, uh, if you want to talk a little bit about your team, tell me what you think. How, how, how do you feel about yours? Certainly. Well, um, the people that we had doing the best ball draft, most are our wonderful, wonderful co-workers, compadres um, at Roto Underworld. So, yes, indeed. It was a very difficult draft. I had the ninth spot, two, four, six, eight. Yeah, I had the ninth spot. And the way the draft started was the first eight teams all took running backs. I was like, well, crud, because there was a clear tear break uh, after those eight like and mm. so I knew I wasn't going to go running back and I wasn't happy about that either um, I had a coin flip between two Kansas City players Tyreek Hill Travis Kelsey and was like you know what YOLO like we got to do something different here I went Travis Kelsey in the first round um, now people that haven't played underdog best ball it is an 18 round draft because it's best ball you don't make transactions during the season so roster construction is key and you have to maximize uh your your roster to your strengths and weaknesses so me going travis kelsey in the first round is me pushing all my chips in and going travis kelsey is going to give me a like the tight end one season which also means that the maximum amount of tight ends i was going to have on this roster was two and going Travis Kelsey in the first round means I was not looking at tight ends for a very long time. Now, as it came back around, I did like who fell to me in the second round because I, I feel like Aaron Jones gets a lot of slack because, or a lot of flack because people are already predicting Aaron Rodgers to be traded to the Broncos. And I don't think that's as likely as, the Julio Jones was like the Julio sure. Jones. There were yeah. so many signs saying, yes, this one is it ideal. No. Will it happen eventually? Yes. Will it happen this season? I don't think so. So Aaron Jones, uh, let's see, there was Nick Chubb and Joe Mixon got drafted. So, and, and Austin Eckler. So Aaron Jones was the 12th running back off the board after back-to-back top five running back seasons at PPR thrilled to get him in the second round and I usually when I play baseball I try to get running backs early because those late round those late round guys uh it's it's a mess I'm usually not a fan I've and I've tried I have tried so it went Kelsey Aaron Jones I the the draft board gave me Amari Cooper the fourth round I didn't like it, but there was value. I got David Montgomery, fifth round Chase Edmonds. So to recap the first five rounds, it was three running backs, a receiver, and Travis Kelsey at tight end. Sixth round, I pulled the trigger on quarterback. We were starting to see quarterbacks come off the board. In fact, before my pick, there was three quarterbacks in the the five five picks prior to my pick i went russell wilson really like russell wilson he was qb like seven to come off the board six two because let's see we saw we started to see some quarterbacks come up come off the board after him 
um, in which that next round, I, I want to say, is when you went quarterback to get Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Um, then the next few rounds was primarily trying to find any receivers that were going to be potential number ones in their offense that were also going to pass the ball a lot. And it's, I'm going to tell you, the, the final 12 rounds was primarily receivers. I ended up with 10 wide receivers, mainly because in the first six rounds, I had Amari Cooper, and that was my only receiver. So seventh round, I went Jerry Judy. Eighth round, I drafted my fourth and final running back, Damian Harris. I usually like to keep running backs. If I'm going running back early, I I will go no more than five running backs, but lately I've been going four running backs. You like Again, if people go, well, what about injuries? Well, if I have injuries, that team's fucked. <laughs> so right. so you have to – those roster spots are valuable. Um so four running backs, I knew it was only going two tight ends, and spoiler, tight, my second tight end was my very last pick in round 18. Um, so I went Antonio Brown, Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Brian Edwards, Manuel Sanders, Dwayne Eskridge, Amari Rogers, and Demarcus Robinson. The only non-receiver that I drafted in that range there is I did get my backup QB. I drafted Russell Wilson in round six and paired him up in round 11 with Justin Fields. The thought process on this one is I don't know when Fields starts, but he'll, he will start at some point this season. Mm-hmm. He is a dual threat quarterback. Chicago actually passed the ball a lot because they're going to be playing from behind. So Justin Fields can have the ball in his, in his hands a lot. What I'm hoping for is a Jalen Hurts end of the season situation where they go, he goes out there, he runs a 4-4, 40-yard dash in between his arm and his ability to run, just creates loads of fantasy points. I really like getting Justin Fields in round 11. Um, the the list of random wide receivers is I wanted to target good offenses. And it was what our, our, our good friend, Chris, you know, the EDG mentioned, mentioned to us, you want pieces of good offenses. Dwayne Eskridge, for instance, um, a double whammy on that one is I had Russell Wilson. So if Eskridge has a good game, means Wilson is also contributing to that good game and Eskridge can maybe slide in as one of my three receivers for, you know, if I get a couple of games, awesome. Um, Emmanuel Sanders actually just did an article on uh, meet the metric true catch rate. Emmanuel Sanders had a remarkable stat there. He had a true catch rate of a hundred 110.9%, which seems like that should be impossible, but that's, that's more like what that should tell people when we'll go into the article, but Sanders has good hands. <laughs> Sanders makes unbelievable catches and you're going to an offense with Josh Allen. Allen, he proved all of us Josh Allen haters wrong, but he's still not an accurate passer, mm-hmm. but Sanders in the catch radius, um, that that could work and he's like the cheapest outside of Dawson Knox he's the cheapest Buffalo Bills receiver that you could get so round 14 getting a member of the Buffalo Bills and that should be an offense that's going to move the ball a lot heck yeah um same with like Demarcus Robinson round 17 you know Nicole Harbin always gets the hype but Demarcus Robinson could be the number two wide receiver in, in Kansas City so Around 17, I mean, here, 
he was the two players around him was AJ Green and Marquez Valdez Scantling. You can't go wrong around 17 unless you draft Josh Reynolds. I mean, that was always going to be a mistake even before the Julio Jones trade. So right. to to recap, um, oh, and my final tight end, my backup tight end's Mo Alley Cox. I'm just there hoping that uh, for a bye week, he can give me a good game. That's uh, Travis Kelsey's got to be the tight end one for me. That's that was me um, pushing all my chips in. Uh, the plan is hopefully these wide receivers I took in the double digit rounds that someone has that big hundred yard one or two touchdown game and can be one of my three starting receivers. It, it's a shit, it's a shit show at receiver, but felt good about the, the running backs I had that, and I, I don't plan my drafts this way, but none of the four running backs shared a bye week. So uh, if, if they can remain healthy, knock on wood, um, they can be staggered nicely, so that should be at least two running backs, possibly my flex as well. It is – I'm not in love with this team, but <laughs> I, I just want to practice the strategy. And, right, right. And usually if I'm doing a 12-team draft, I'm not competing against the entire Roto Underworld. So that's probably why I, I come away from the draft going, I don't really like this team. <laughs> right. But how about you, Ryan? You picked from the, the two the two spots, and you're on the other end of the draft. What what did you think about your team? Well, it, it kind of got going before I realized. So Dalvin Cook was auto-picked for me, and I'm not going to lie in that spot. It really, that's probably who I would have taken um, because the, really – that's probably the right spot. Um, then I'm trying to finish up with the kids and stuff as I'm going through the next few rounds. So it was a little bit hectic. I wanted to go running back heavy early, but I was like, I want to grab Justin Jefferson. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. I just feel like he's going to have some big games. So I grabbed him thinking I could get Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Clyde Edwards Hilaire was taken. And I was like, shit, I should have went Clyde Edwards. But again, I, I, I'm not even having a chance to really look at stuff because I'm busy doing stuff while I'm like, so my time's running out. And I'm like, ah, ah. and <laughs> so, it's just not the greatest draft for me to begin. But um, after that, I kind of feel like after the Chris Godwin pick, um, I think I was able, or maybe it was after the Kenny Galladay, because I basically wanted to get a, like at least three really solid running backs. Yeah. And just every time it, there was just a couple rounds, rounds four and five, where it came back around and I was just like, blah. So I'm going to yeah. go Godwin and then I'm going to go Kenny Galladay. And so then I'm sitting here after round five with Dalvin Cook, J.K. Dobbins, Justin Jefferson, Chris Godwin, Kenny Galladay. And so there's, I believe, isn't there a bit of a tight end run reason? Oh no, that there were a few tight ends taken. I noticed, and I'm like, well, I really would like to get one of these higher end tight ends. I'm a big believer in Dallas Goddard. Also took him in another draft that we'll be talking about soon, nice. but I like Goddard. So I went him and then a lot of quarterbacks gone burrow sitting there. And I'm like, I'm going to go ahead and take burrow. And then from there on out, it was really just kind of like, I really need to grab some running backs. And I was, I was hoping to get 
Leonard Fournette, um, and I think he either went right after my pick or before my pick of Joe Burrow, but I ended up grabbing Tony Pollard because I think he's going to have some big games. And Ronald Jones, I didn't get four nets. So give me the other piece of the Bucks backfield. I'm okay with that. I'm not huge on Ronald Jones, but I think people might be a little too down on, the, on him this year. And then I went ahead and grabbed Trey Lance. Give me another quarterback like you with the Justin Fields. He'll probably start at some point. And I think between his legs and his arm, he could really do some damage. Give me some weeks there. And then back to running back, Daryl Henderson, I figure – you know, a lot of people are undervaluing him. It's Cam Akers and then him, and he's going to be involved a little bit. And, you know, so I feel like he could have some big weeks as well. So then I'm starting to feel a little better about the running back position. I can, I go back to receiver. I grab Rondale Moore and Traquan Smith. Then at some point had to grab another tight end. And so I went Gerald Everett with the Seahawks. Hopefully, Hopefully I did not draft. Hopefully they don't have, he he just have the same fucking bye week. That's the only problem is I wasn't paying attention to bye weeks at all. So hopefully, let me see. I can't click on it. I'm going to have to check that out. Got it. I can, I can pull it up here. I think you're, yeah, you're good. You're good. Goddard had week 14. Everett was week nine. I remember the Everett pick. Um, I didn't realize it was you that, that took him because I was, I was ticked because I was trying to build a nice little um, late round Seahawks stack because I got gotcha. you. You know, Dwayne Eskridge was a target of mine. Just having Russell Wilson, I don't, I don't draft based on stacks, but I'm when I start to notice like okay, like this player's coming within range, mm-hmm. uh, I'll make a move, and I was like, whatever, it's like a perfect backup tight end and. You know, it, it might have been that it was a little too early for me to real realistically. Let's see, what round did you take him in? You took um, fourteen. Yeah, that was probably like if he had slipped another another round, I would have I, I would have potentially taken him. Um, yeah, because I went. Yeah, yeah, because I went Eskridge around fifteen. I was like, I'm, I'm going to. I, I didn't reach in my rankings, but like there was it's a couple of players I probably could have gone over Eskridge. I think I ended up. What worked out well, I had to wait a long time, but I did end up getting Amari Rogers the next round, and that was a player I had ranked higher. So I was like, ah, oh, whoo. <laughs> I want, I just, I want a nice little stack there. <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah, when you took Everett, I was like, that was my backup for Travis Kelsey. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I really liked it. I've been like, man, Wilson's going to have, uh, you know, a few big games with Everett. I could see, I could see him yeah. rolling out a few. Hopefully he does it when uh, Goddard's on by, but yeah, I could definitely see I, that happening. And then after I love that, the Seahawks, like those are yeah. great stacks because they have these big freaking games. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you can get a Russell Wilson, Eskridge, Everett stack with either Lockett or Metcalf, like that yeah. is going to be a great stack. I was really hoping to get Lockett. I can't remember where it happened, but I was like, I was hoping to grab Tyler Lockett, but uh, did not get him. But um, yeah, so after that, I'm like, okay, I'm good on tight end. I'm good on running back at this point, I feel like. So I'm like, I'm going to head back to wide receiver. Tyro Williams is sitting there. And I'm like, you know, Lions, not the greatest offense. But 
Goff can still spin the ball. And no matter what anybody says about Amon Ross St. Brown or anybody else, like Tyrell Williams is probably going to be the one to start. He could have some big weeks. So I just want, I'm just, give me a piece that is cheap as hell. And then I went ahead and took Zach Wilson because I figure, look, not entirely sure how Burrow's going to come out. Want to see, make sure he's good to go after this injury. But even then, I got Trey Lance, not for sure when he's starting. I think we're all pretty sure Zach Wilson's going to start right away. And he has a little bit of rushing ability himself. So I do feel like this is someone I could count on as my backup. And then if Trey Lance is more my third guy, and if he comes in at some point and just starts killing it, great. But right now I feel it like Trey Lance is more my three, Zach Wilson more like my two. And then I grabbed Nico Collins and Elijah Mitchell to finish it off. I wasn't even going to go running back in the last round. I was going to grab another receiver, but I'm big on Elijah Mitchell, as I've said many a times. And I just think, eh, there's some big weeks in there for this dude this season. So I went ahead and grabbed him instead of another receiver to, that's just kind of how I approach. So it started out, I didn't really have control of things. And then I kind of got on, and then I got things under control and it still felt like I kind of made a couple questionable picks, but I think overall, team is solid I don't pay much attention to the projections part but it says I'm in the top half so I'll take it and you know I feel pretty good I feel like there's some guys that could really you know outperform where I drafted them and that's really what you're kind of looking for is to really get like Rondale Moore Rondale Moore could get me some big weeks this year you never know if they I mean so so yeah yeah I'm uh not completely in love with it, but uh, given it was a hectic start, I, I, I'm cool with the way it turned out. Yeah, especially the Rondell Moore, like one of the, as I play more and more best balls, like, you know, we go, oh, we want the Dallas Cowboys stack. Yeah, the, uh, the Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, C.D. Lamb that you basically have to go like rounds, I don't know, three, four, and five. And mm. it's so hard to pull that off. Like, like the better stacks is trying to like find guys like um, you grab Kyler Murray early. Um, he's been going around five. I just listened to the podcast with, with Larky. <laughs> he's, he's been, he's been mentioned like Lark uh, that Kyler Murray's going fifth round and, you know, Hopkins is a reasonable target. You can get him second round, but if you miss out on him, like you can take Kyler and pair him up with Rondell Moore and Christian mm-hmm. Kirk and, um, even even Chase Edmonds like that that could that could benefit there. I think he he got the full he got the full like Arizona Cardinals. He got the Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Chase Edmonds, Rondell Moore, and Christian Kirk is beautiful. And and those are the types of receivers to target late in drafts. Is mm. go for the explosive offenses. And you know what? Like Marcus Valdez Scantling in the seventeenth round, like. It in regular leagues, I hate him because he's going either one catch for eight yards or he's going you know, three catches for 120 yards, and I never guess right. Um, but you know, in best ball, the perfect thing is when he does have those typical Valdez Scantling games where he actually manages to catch the ball mm-hmm. before going 80 yards for a touchdown. Like best ball, best ball goes cool we'll take care of that so right yeah like explosive like in the nico collins too collins is i like brandon cooks 
and Nico Collins. Those are the only two, like Chris, ED, EDG, you mentioned it, and I was absolutely on board. When you look at the Houston Texans team, like I don't want David Johnson. <laughs> no. I don't want whatever they're going to put at quarterback. But Brandon Cooks, all he does is produce. And Nico Collins, you can – you can make the case for him. I mean, he's 6'4", 215 pounds. And outside of Cooks, there's no one else there. So right. those are the two guys. So you get Nico Collins, 17th round. I love that one. Actually, he went – I took him 16th, Elijah Mitchell in the 17th, because I, was, I wasn't even going to take another running back. But in the 17th oh, – there's 18 rounds. There's 18 oh, wait, rounds. You got, so 17th yeah, you got Mitchell. And, yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Hell, yeah. That was a – that was a – it got to be a fun draft overall. Um, I think fun. we both enjoyed it. And if anything, we keep practicing what we're doing. We hope to get better, right? <laughs> and uh, we're going to try and do the best we can on the upcoming Scott Fishbowl draft. And, uh, y- you know, it's pretty tough um, to think about the strategy, particularly for me. I haven't dove in to the scoring a lot, but we talked a little bit off pod, and it seemed that you have and you've got some theories and strategy and really i'm just going to let you kind of handle it um and then we can kind of talk about uh a little bit of what's going on in our current mock draft with the rest of the roto underworld crew and um yeah we can talk about that and and, but you go ahead and kind of talk about your your strategy because you've really got a good understanding of of the points and i kind of like a lot of what you said like if we're in different divisions i might kind of steal a bit of your strategy man because i really like it so um i i think i'm pretty well versed on, on the rules here and and it helps that i had a league last year that wasn't quite scott fish uh Scott Fishbowl 11 rules, but it was pretty dang similar. Um, One of the notable differences, though, is the QB scoring. Oh, my goodness. So you get points for completions and you get docked points for incompletions. You get docked a full point for incompletion and you get half a point for completion. So one of the things I, I'm looking at when I go to like player profiler is I'm looking for quarterbacks with accuracy. That's why I really like a Tom Brady in this type of format. Like if I'm going to wait a little bit on QB, when I say wait, like you can't really wait much further past like round four in, in this format. Like the quarterbacks fly off the boards. You get six points for passing touchdowns and negative four for interceptions. So you get docked a lot of points for quarterbacks that can't complete passes. And and if that quarterback throws an interception and goes back for a pick six, you get docked an additional two points. So if he throws a touchdown to the other team, you lose six points. That's huge. That's huge. Like you can't, those interceptions will add up. And last year, I remember I was an observer. I didn't get to play Scott Fishbowl, but Kirk Cousins had this game early in the season. He had zero touchdowns, three interceptions, and he put up negative points. It would, it would have been better if he forgot to start him than actually playing him. And that's what I like. Like these scoring formats here, it is a super flex league. You could start two quarterbacks, but you better be damn sure that the two quarterbacks you have aren't going to pull a Kirk Cousins uh, and just uh, screw you over. So this helps cancel out 
the what I call the Blake Bortles effect. Blake Bortles had that season back in 2015 where he he would just garbage time, garbage time points. Yep. Like he, if he does that in Scott Fishbowl, it, it ain't gonna be pretty. Even though if he threw 35 touchdowns and he had what 18 interceptions and there was even more fumbles. All those all those turnovers, like turnovers cost you a lot you're going to feel the pain on it um for rushing and receiving there isn't anything too notable it's it's actually it's half ppr for running backs and receivers but you do get half a point per first down so with running backs i'm looking for the guys that are going to play all three downs that teams that are going to not necessarily run the ball more, but be in offenses that can move the ball. Um, my first round pick was Cam Akers, and that's because hey, that Rams offense with Matthew Stafford now at QB, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods at receiver, Tyler Higby, who was he was a guy to stay away from in fantasy drafts last year because the hype was getting out of control. But mm. Higby is an efficient guy. It and Akers, Akers got in the groove at the end of his rookie season. And and finding finding a team that's got a good offensive line that can keep the ball um, keep the ball going and in those short third yardage situations can feed the ball to Acres absolutely I like those guys that I pulled up like Cam Acres the final four weeks of the regular season he got twenty two red zone carries like they were feeding him so mm-hmm. running backs like yes guys that catch the ball. Like those are valuable, but it's half PPR. So there's not as much, you know, the the James Whites really don't have much of a role in this type of format, in my opinion. You want the guys that are actually getting the work on the ground. Um, the big difference, though, is tight end scoring. They're not half PPR. They're full PPR. They're also a full point per first down. In this mock draft, I have the 11th pick. So I went Cam Akers 111. And when it came around to the 202, I made a gutsy pick because I, I went into this mock draft with the mentality of treating it like I would the Scott Fishbowl. I'm either going to have a damn good team that's, that's dominant and people are going to be like, how in the world did someone draft this team? Or the team's going to fall on its face. Like it's, I'm swinging for the fences every single pick because if you ain't if you're first, on that. you're last. So second round, the 202, I went Darren Waller. And, and my reasoning on this is Darren Waller, he had a 28% target share last year at tight end. That was massive. Not only did it lead the NFL, but the next highest target share was 25%, like 3% higher than the next tight end. Darren Waller is the wide receiver one in, in Las Vegas. He just happens to play tight end. And right. so in taking Darren Waller, I have a wide receiver one that gets a full PPR, a full point per first down for doing basically wide receiver things. And I, this format, this format you want to get elite quarterbacks because any other quarterback's going to be punished pretty harshly. It's going to be hard for them to stand out, but also like all wide receivers, like the elite guys think of what Devonte Adams did last year. They'll be fine. But 
outside of maybe the top three or four wide receivers, and we don't even know who they are. They're probably not the first four receivers drafted. This, this format does not incentivize wide receivers. Like it punishes them in, in my opinion. Um, I, I may, may very well, my Scott Fishbowl draft go pretty heavy on tight ends. Like I did in this mock draft because and the 302, and yes, I know I said I had the 202. I had the 302 because it's third round reversal, which means it snakes the first and second round. Then the third round is the same pick slot as the second round, and it continues to snake from there. So the 302, I doubled down. I went George Kittle because, like Darren Waller, he's the number one receiver on his offense in San Francisco. I'm not worried about Trey Lance. Like Kittle, Kittle, it's very simple. You throw the ball to him, he catches it, and he creates yards after the catch, and that's how he produces. Rookie quarterback comes in, usually a rookie quarterback's best friend is his tight end. Um, both Darren, Wall Darren Waller was top 10 in receiving first downs. That's been a big stat I've been looking at when I've been making some of my selections as, as I go, how many first downs are these guys getting? Are they involved on moving the chains? Darren Waller amongst wide receivers and tight ends was top five. And George Kittle, he only played half a season. But if he had played a full season, he would have been on track to be in the top 10. So I was like, sweet, awesome. I got two guys that last year would have been top 10 in, in first downs. That is the stat that people are going to overlook. They, they think, oh, half PPR. Um, oh, the touchdown. Like everyone knows the quarterback stats because when you look at the scoring, that's the first thing you see. But don't, don't underrate the importance of that the the first downs you want the guys that are moving the chains i wish there was a way that we could properly track like the third down targets and how, right. how much they're getting utilized there but the the plan with those two is is also there was some game theory it's like if i'm taking george kittle like someone already got travis kelsey and then i got darren waller i act i believe i do believe that darren waller will be the tight end one this year in fantasy, mainly because it's unlike usually guys that are at the top of their position, like Travis Kelsey. It's hard to repeat that the next the next year. I'm not saying Kelsey's going to be a bust, but you know I'm willing to say that there will be a different tight end that finishes as tight end one, and the one guy that stands out is Waller. But taking Kittle as well, what that does is let's let's use you for an example. I take Kittle, like. Now I have an even bigger advantage at the tight end position that, you know, my tight end is Darren Waller. George Kittle will be one of my flex plays, but whatever mm -hmm. tight end you get, like George Kittle is the only other remaining tight end that could have challenged Darren Waller. But because right. I took Kittle, like I'm going to have such a, such a massive advantage in points at my tight end position. And also I think like Darren Waller's going to score a shit ton of points in this format. So doubled up with, with George Kittle, and then I had to wait a long time. So that was 302. I had to wait all the way to 411. Was shocked to see how the draft played out, but Justin Jefferson was there at 411. I will say that my draft strategy for Scott Fishbowl going into this mock draft and probably going into the real, uh, the real draft is I, I anticipate in the first eight rounds – if I can do what I did with tight end and, and grab two or even three, I'm not opposed to that either. I, I will have multiple tight ends, multiple running backs, multiple quarterbacks, 
but maybe one wide receiver. I'm up. I'm opting to fade them because I feel like this format penalizes them a lot. Um, but Justin Jefferson, it was just the value was great there. Uh, mm. Three stats I looked at that I think pretty predictive on like continued fantasy success. He was top 10 in these three categories, target share, air yard share, and first downs amongst like all, all receivers and tight ends. So you see me like really hammering that stat there because I think Tyreek Hill's great. Like he'll catch the long touchdown passes, but he's not as much of a chain mover. Like that's, that's a type of receiver. I think it's penalized in this type of scoring format. So I was ecstatic that I could say the two tight ends and Justin Jefferson, I got guys that get first downs that are involved on those plays. Awesome. My glaring weakness though, was I had no quarterback. I kind of rolled the dice when I went Justin Jefferson. So I pick at 11 and so that means that there's someone that picks 12 and then they have the first pick and then it's me again. Uh, my two targets, I was like, well, Allen Robinson's still there and that's just really good value. I can't leave that on the board. But then there's also Tua Tungavaloa. I really, really like Tua in this format because he, I'm going to pull it up real quick. Tua, obviously we know he has the better weapons this season. Like he, <laughs> They went out, they got Will Fuller, they drafted Jalen Waddle. It's like, thank God they're not throwing to Jakeem Grant. Like, they actually gave their franchise quarterback um, receivers that can make plays. Right. One of the stats that really stood out to me on Tua Tungavloa is his catchable pass rate was 80.3%. That was number three. That means he was throwing accurate passes. Mm. His accuracy rating was number two. In this format, if you're not getting the elite guys, the, the guys that can run, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, um, Josh Allen, or just elite passers like Patrick Mahomes or maybe a Russell Wilson, if you can't get those guys, Tua is a perfect guy to like that that you can wait like and get. I guess he went technically and started fifth round, so round four or maybe maybe in round five i if you can get him round six that's a that's a dang steal but like round five should be where you target him and just the fact that he's accurate he now has weapons like i like i always like what miami does they have built this they keep building this team up the right way and it's it's gonna be exciting and he has a little bit of mobility i he he actually scored 10, 10, wow, three rushing touchdowns. That was number 10 amongst quarterbacks. So getting some getting some red zone usage there and getting enough carries to where it's like, okay, if he could get some of those rushing first downs, like and, and that's that's a stat too. You want the mobile quarterbacks, um, right. because those mobile quarterbacks can get the half point per rushing first down. Um, and Tua is He's either a perfect number two quarterback, or if you happen to wait at QB, you could totally get him um, at um, as your QB one and still be fine. I rolled the dice. I was really hoping he'd be there at 502. He wasn't. I opted for Matt Ryan, and I uh, I don't know how I feel on it. It's like on one hand, he led the league in passing attempts last year. Mm. 
Atlanta sucks. They're going to be passing the ball a lot this year. The accuracy was a problem. He, you also get, you also get docked points for getting sacked as well. I didn't even mention that one. You get docked a point per sack. So you really have to look at the offensive line situation. So probably looking back on my draft, like in, in mistakes that, that I made, honestly, I think I probably should have gone Josh Allen over Cam Akers. I know that would leave me with zero running backs at this time, but I think getting the type of QB that, that can get the, the rushing first downs. And if, if they're on, on good teams, like the reason I like Brady is Brady doesn't get sacked. Brady is an acceptable QB one in this format. Like he's the guy I'm targeting. If I don't go QB in the first few rounds and Brady and this one went in round three. So that was, I am, I am still learning some lessons on this one because mm. I, I actually had overlooked the, the negative points for, for sacks. So talking out loud here and kind of learning lessons I've learned from this mock draft. I'm going to try my best to get two QBs by round four. I, I don't think I'll have any receivers in the first four rounds. I'll either be Mm -hmm. trying to get Kelsey Waller Kittle, like one or possibly two, two of those tight ends. Um, getting getting a running back and trying to get two QBs. So looking at just who went in the first four rounds, man, you may even have to get two QBs before the fourth round because looking at fourth round QBs, that is Matthew Stafford. Ryan Tannehill did go in the fourth round. That could go even higher. That was we we were doing this draft. We started this draft before the Julio trade. So right. Tannehill in the fourth round, but he could go higher. Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, like it may be getting those getting those QBs. Man, I honestly, it might might be that McCaffrey. McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook. I saw you go Alvin Kamara. And, and you know my stance. I'm just not a Kamara fan this year. But I think like, McCaffrey and Cook are the only two running backs I would take over QBs. And then at that point, I'd be trying to go Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, the, the rushing QBs that are that have the opportunity for those, those half point per first down. So that's kind of my thing. I'm fading receivers. Um, I might, I may do what I do in best balls, uh, best ball drafts and try to get receivers later and, and kind of figure it out on the fly mm-hmm. in the, the league I did last year with similar formatting that, that, that was a league that I went and like found Jacoby Myers, you know, you can, you can find these guys. I dig it. So I like it. So you're kind of, I, I think exactly what you said is that I love it. Get a top tight end, at least one, mm-hmm. get a couple of top quarterbacks, and then you can concentrate on running back fade receiver for a little bit, yeah. you know, and unless you get great value on uh, on a guy, but really, yeah, those first four rounds, you want a couple of quarterbacks, a tight end or two, or a tight end and a running back. And that seems to be the way to go. So 
<clears throat> I'm all about it. And that being said, I, I, that is not at all how I approach this draft. Uh, well, it's a mock draft, though. We get that's to true. learn. That's true. And learning I am because I will not be doing this in the real Scott Fishbowl draft. <laughs> but I went Nick Chubb, then Alvin Kamara, then Stefan Diggs and Michael Thomas, and then Dallas Cogger. Now, Michael Thomas was auto-picked for me, um, but I did pick Stefan Diggs. Um, knowing what I know now, I would not have obviously done it this way. <clears throat> but I am on the clock. I need to grab a fucking quarterback <laughs> is what I'm thinking. So Justin Fields is there. I'm thinking I might as well do it. And then I can grab someone, try and grab someone with my next pick, maybe a little bit down the line, but uh, Justin Fields is sitting right there. So I think I'm going to take my chance on him. I feel like you said, should be starting at some point. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, swing for the fences. I love it. So there we go. Interesting, interesting, interesting. But yes, so I again, I I can't disagree. I'm looking at my thing now and I'm like, man, if only we had talked more about that. Because <laughs> I definitely, <laughs> everything you've said to me makes so, so much sense. I mean, I'm going to take a look at the scoring too, but you've done it and this is what you've deduced. I can't imagine I'd do as much else. It's fantastic, man. I, I love the idea behind it. And, and um, I thought I'd have to go heavy on running backs, but honestly, like sitting here in the sixth round and looking at running backs that are available, David Montgomery is still there. And along with him, it, Miles Gaskin, Josh Jacobs, Mike Davis, Chase Edmonds, Kareem Hunt, like a lot of really good. I was shocked at the running backs that are still available. So mm. it's that definitely – like I definitely will change my approach to it, which would be, I was, I was thinking I was going to go QB or sorry, running back tight end. And I, I miscalculated when the runs on quarterbacks would be, but yeah, definitely looking at it. It's like, got to get your second QB no later than round four. I know, I know Larky, Larky getting three QBs. Um, by the fourth round, <laughs> so he'll. I I don't. Hmm. My only critique on that one. That's a great strategy in terms of winning a twelve person league. Mm-hmm. But the thing that's rough is one of your top four. One of your first four, um, or sorry, one of the picks in the first four rounds is not going to start. Not going to be able to start. Um, right. I think he went he went Zeke in the first round. He didn't think it was going to be super flex, which caused me to go back and look just to make sure. And then he he hit quarterback three times in a row, which a one hand is great of like you will you will have two great quarterbacks to start each week. On the other hand, like I said, one of those three quarterbacks that you took in the first four rounds has to sit on the bench. Right. I don't know if that way, that type of thinking, like People that are in this have to treat it like DraftKings million dollar maker. Like you just have to, Chris, the EDG mentioned it last week on the show. Like you, when you're, when you're drafting a team, you're drafting with the thought of each, each pick you make is going to hit, going to hit the jackpot. So 
you know, you have to have that balance. Like if I go two QBs in the first four rounds, let's say, yes, I want a third quarterback, but I'm probably waiting till pretty late, pretty late in the draft. Like, you know, I'm, yes, that may mean that I'm looking at a Tyrod Taylor, a Mac Jones, but I'd be okay you have with to that. Maximize. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I said, I'd be okay with that. Cause I, t- yeah. I'm telling you, the more I listen to you and the more I look at this, this is what I'm fucking doing. Now I'd like to do another mock draft to test this shit, but this is what I'm doing. I'm yeah. fucking straight going two QBs, two tight ends in the first four rounds. And then I'm going to be like, okay, I'm fucking good. And then yeah. I'm just going to go running back until I feel the need to take a receiver. I think that's yeah. the way I'm going to fucking handle it. I'm just going to yeah. just knock out quarterback and tight end in the first, get four really good guys at those positions and then yeah. fucking lean heavy into running back until it's time for wide receiver. I, 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 and I honestly, that might be the way to fucking do it this year. So I, I, I don't know. I, I got to break down the roster construction, like the size and everything, but yeah, the and the difference, one of the big differences in the league I played in last year was extremely small bench. It was something like we started, I think we started 13 players and we only had four player benches. So mm-hmm. I kept the waiver wire turning. And this is different. I want to say it's 11 starters and 11 bench players. So okay. I do have to sit and kind of think of like roster construction, just like what we do in best ball, where you have to go, okay, take my Travis Kelsey pick. I drafted Travis Kelsey. I knew that I only needed one other tight end to literally just cover a bye week Um, because if I draft Kelsey in the first round, that means I believe that he's going to be tight end one each week. He's not going to be tight end one each week, but that's why I draft him. Um, So I have to sit down and kind of do roster construction. I have to figure out, like, for instance, you could start two QBs and I go, you know, I need to figure out, okay, is it optimal to roster three or roster four quarterbacks? Mm. Then I have to, you know, kind of be ready for injury. So that's the part I have to sit down and kind of like figure out, okay, I want this, I want this, I want this. So, you know, this mock draft, honestly, I went in, I didn't have a strategy. Uh, I mean, I have basic strategy, I, but by the time Scott Fishbowl uh, comes around and my 11 league mates, my 11 unfortunate league mates, um, like I will be sitting there with knowing like within my first three picks, okay, this is how the rest of my draft needs needs to be. This is right. the positions I have to target. <laughs> yep. It's going to be interesting. I feel much better. I didn't realize in the beginning it was a super flex either. And uh, I didn't realize that about the tight end either. So I was just kind of, for some reason, I, I knew the scoring was different, but I just kind of approached it like a, kind of like a redraft and then I'm like oh this was after I grabbed Stefan Diggs I was like I don't I don't because I think that's when I noticed quarterbacks were going and I was like oh I need to get <laughs> but yeah. then they auto-picked Michael Thomas for me and then well, and I saw there's the quarter... also there's also right. kickers too um yeah and that's something I have no expertise right now I I'll have to really dig into that one there's some I don't usually play in leagues with kickers. <laughs> I don't anymore, but I have. And I can tell you that there is certainly, certainly the top kickers. They get, they can get you some points every week, man. And it's usually top kickers, 
Um, it, it, it could be on high scoring teams, on crappy teams who are kicking yep. field, a lot of field goals. And like, <laughs> and it, it, like you get one of those top kickers, man. It, like, I remember that was one of the frustrating things when we do our friends and family league. I get that league has a kicker because we just do the the standard shit for that league. And sometimes you just a kick. You'll have face somebody and a kicker will go off for thirty points, and you're like, "Son of a bitch." I know. <laughs> we adjusted kicker scoring. We have some very specific rules to where. I, I mean, because people will be pretty divisive on this, but but we actually have rules that um, like, you're not going to have a kicker in defense putting out thirty points. But right. Uh, but it just seemed, yeah. I don't, and eventually, really, those leagues, we we eventually went away from defensive kickers. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just I've been on the receiving end of having a defense put up forty fantasy points, and I'm like, that's kind of it's kind of bogus there, right? <laughs> well, you're in a couple of my leagues that I commission. We don't do kicker defense. I don't fuck around with that shit. The the only league where I have kicker or defense. I have just defense and that's my IDP league. And uh, that one's kind of fun. I had a really good draft in that one this year. My offense was pretty loaded. So I was able to get some young defensive guys. It's pretty exciting, but, um, but yeah, yeah, man, it's going to be fun. I'm super excited for this shit. (laughs) Me too. Me too, man. All right, buddy. Well, I think it's it's been a good pod. It actually went fairly long, considering we were like, man, I don't know if we got enough to talk. I got no notes, you know. Yeah, this is how (laughs) it usually goes, though. Anytime we think we're like, ah, this could be a shorter pod, it ends up being just about normal. (laughs) But hey, that works. That works. All right. All right. I did have a couple other things, but I think I'm just going to like the zero draft battle. I think I got most of that stuff out last week. We're going to save. I want to save guillotine leagues. I I'm itching to talk about it, but I I really also would like to do it when we have like um, a guest, somebody else that has done it perhaps. Um, But you, you have to try it this year of course i'm looking forward to it i always want to try new things i should probably at least start getting it set up pretty here here pretty soon because you got to get uh well this week we need 17 teams don't we we do or no oh man i don't think fleo lets you do that we'll probably roll 16 teams again yeah that way we're not having the final week in 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 weeks actual week 17 (laughs) because that that would be kind of lame so yeah more on that next in a future podcast. More on guillotine leagues. But other than that, my friend, any final thoughts before we get the hell out of here? Uh, great episode. Great conversations. Loving the Scott Fishbowl, and I can't wait yes. to continue to perfect the strategy there. Fuck yes. <laughs> I'm excited for it too, man. And, and I'll do anything I can, but it seems like you got a good start, and I love everything you brought to the table with that. So, hells yeah. All right, everybody. Here. I'm the Heron and the Matt Chatter. We wish you the best this week. Have a great one. Until next time, ta-ta and latest. I wrote down a bunch of that shit. I'm mad here. And that's the Dynasty Wonderland.